know the vibes. Welcome back to another episode here at the Hoop Genius Podcast, brought to you by NBA 2K24. It's myself, Momuzi, alongside me as always, the three-time NBA champion, Mr. BJ Armstrong. BJ, it's Friday. You know what that means? <laughs> I'm on 10, not nine. Hey, never nine. Never nine. It's time to give the people what they want. We're answering some questions. Okay. How's your day been, though, brother? How's your day oh, been? Incredible, incredible. And uh, really looking forward to the weekend. Looking forward. Uh, the Pistons won, beat my bullies. So, you know, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Man. Well, the people have got some things that they want to know. Okay. And, uh, you know, we've got a, got a few questions. Uh, the oh. first one comes in from Piers McGlinchey, who wants some insight into the behind-the-scenes working. Um, he says, when a player is part of a trade, does the team just tell them that they're going and not give them a choice in what happens if the player doesn't want to leave? That would be correct. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, you signed the contract. They gave you these millions of dollars. So if they want to get rid of you, they can get rid of you. Andy Williams wants to know with the response, or oh, this is an old question, which we didn't get to in previous weeks. So it just bear that in mind. With, response, uh, with reports of the Jazz's frustration after the loss to Golden State, it felt like they were in contention for a playoff slash playing spot prior to the trades. How do the rest of the team find out about trades and how the front office mitigate frustrations with the rest of the squad? So essentially what he's asking, a team like the Jazz, who we saw this last year as well, you know, in like the back end of December, January, you're looking at them thinking, wow, these guys could really be in the play-in or they're overachieving. They could maybe even mm -hmm. sneak into the sixth seed. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. the front office goes and trades away a, a couple of the guys and mm -hmm. they're right back down into the draft lottery. Uh, how do the front office mitigate those frustrations from the players that are there who don't get traded, who were really building into something and now through no choice of their own, they're not competing at the same level? Well, you know, that's called that, that's called professionalism. And no matter what's going on, the team has to maintain their professionalism, whether they take a different course or different change of uh, events like we're uh, talking about here. But regardless of what's going on, there is an expectation for you to be professional and play and do, you know, and, and, and do the very best you can. So, you know, listen, there's only one team that's going to win a championship every year and you have to find your own inner peace. And that, that's my biggest thing that, that I learned after day one is like, why do you play? And that's why I, I you and I always have this conversation of figuring out why you play and, and what's your goal and what's your reasoning and that's one of those tough questions. It's not always easy. You know, you, we talk about, well, they get paid and, and these guys are getting this and they're getting that. The truth of it is, is that, is that it's people there and these people have emotions. They have feelings. They, their feelings get hurt. And because of the amount of money that they make, we just expect them to go out there and say, oh, well, I can just go and do, well, it's, it's not that simple. So Hopefully the professionalism that and, and emotional maturity that it takes to play night in and night out, regardless what's going on off the court, you try to find your inner peace. You know, one of my biggest things I remember after the first day in practice, I just said, I, no matter what, when I step in between those lines, no matter what's going on, that's my that's my safe place. Mm -hmm. That was me. That's mm -hmm. what I found out. No matter what was going on, trades, you know. Whatever's going on in my personal life, private life, whatever's going on, when I step into the court, I was going to have that two to three hours of just the best, you know, version, the thing that I love most, which was playing basketball. 
So that was my that was my safe space. I was very fortunate to play with some guys who felt the same way that I did, you know, no matter what was going on. We always found our peace, our inner peace there on that court. And that's um that, that's just a magnificent thing if you can find it. So uh hopefully whatever you do in life, you can find that that inner peace and your joy for that for that length of time. And hopefully, if you're having a bad day, listening to the Hoop Genius podcast gives you yes. that half hour of joy that you need in your day. That's what we're here for. That's why we do this. That's exactly. That's why we do this. The next question is from AG. He, and this is something almost that we spoke about the other day with the Clippers. He says, should the NBA consider implementing separate fan sections similar to soccer stadiums <laughs> to enhance the atmosphere and create a more engaging experience for both players and spectators in the arena? Because like after how? hearing... Tatum and Steph MVP chance in the Barclays Arena. It's got my head spinning. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah, what does that so, mean? So I, don't, in, I don't know. In that, football, yeah. right, BJ? In football or soccer, as you guys call yes. it, you have in a stadium, you have the home section and the away section. Okay. Now, football fans love to fight each other. So they are separated by usually a line of police. And so the away fans, they have their little corner of the stadium. And then the home fans fill out the rest of the stadium. Okay. Because the UK and Europe is so small, you can really travel to the road games. Okay. So the problem is with the NBA, fans aren't traveling for road games in the NBA. Yeah, they might be here, what, there, or yeah. everywhere. <laughs> the only people who have a problem with this is fans of uh, the Brooklyn Nets and the LA Clippers, because those two franchises in their own city are not the most popular teams. Therefore, they often get, you know, um, they often get a lot of opposing fans there, as you saw with the Lakers versus Clipper game the other night, which was a Clippers home game, but it felt like it was for the Lakers. Um, the problem with, you know, in the Barclays hearing Tatum and Steph MVP chants, yeah, there's a lot of Celtics fans there and there's a lot of Warriors fans there because the Celtics and the Warriors and, you know, the Lakers and maybe even the Knicks when they're good have big brands and teams across the country, even regardless of where they live, show love to, that to, show love to those players. So the solution to that is make your team better because if you had KD on the court, I don't know if those MVP chants for Steph and Tatum on the other team would be quite as loud if KD's playing at home in Brooklyn. So maybe improve your team or do a better job marketing your franchise and building a culture of fandom. And if any teams want help with that, you can get my email address and we'll work. <laughs> um, that's the solution. Because having an away fan uh, section is not going to do anything, right? It, it doesn't make a difference. It, it doesn't uh, make a difference. Um, okay, we're, we're moving right along. Great do job. You, Bo. Do you agree? Do you, do you agree? Well, I, well, well, well I, there's one thing. Listen, here is marketing. When? That's yes. the marketing. Yes. Or, <laughs> or, or BJ, or, or build a culture of fandom like the Knicks have that even when they're not winning or they're winning marginally and getting to the first round of the playoffs, the fans are still going crazy. Yeah, just win. I mean, or, the Knicks have be, won what? Yeah, uh, they, yeah they've the not won anything. Won. They, they, they've not won anything, but their fans are still diehard. Well, fans. the Knicks have won a couple of championships. They, okay, they, okay they, but they, not come on. Not recently. When? Not, when? not recently. That's, there we go. It's, it's it hasn't been recent, but the Knicks have a in that part of the country in New York. There's a rich tradition of basketball. That, that's what I'm saying. They've got the culture okay. of fandom. Yes, it, it, that, but that has nothing to do with the Knicks. That's just New York. That's just that's just New York. Then why don't the Nets have diehard fans like the Knicks do? Why is why Tatum don't... and Steph getting MVP chance in the Barclays and not in MSG? Okay, okay. All right, let's go back to it. The initial, the initial team was in New Jersey. 
Yes. <laughs> okay. okay. It just moved to Brooklyn. Like, you know, Jay-Z. Be, yeah, before you, well, believe it or not, like, actually, well, I'm old enough to realize when they were the ABA. Yeah. <laughs> okay. When Dr. J used to play for the Nets. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, again, it takes time. Basketball has always been in New York City. And New Jersey, you know, was, you know, New Jersey. And so it takes time to build these things. However, when build it, get a championship or two under your belt, and then let's let's have a conversation here. But to think that it just happens overnight, like, no, it doesn't happen that way. So I I, I don't I I understand. I understand why they're chanting that. I understand what you know, what the reason is. However, you know, when you're that close, a lot of times proximity is is difficult for a franchise. It's kind of like the Clippers right now. Mm. It's going to be fascinating to see when the Clippers get their own building. Yeah. Because of suite sales, right? The suite sales, when you buy a suite at nowcrypto.com, you get all of the events that's in the building. Yeah, so you get the concerts and the hockey and uh, everything that's there. Yeah, and, the, it, it, and the suite, it, it, I think, is $5 million a year. And yeah, you get to enter like through that. the player's entrance. You get a private chef. It, it, it's crazy. Yeah, you, you do those things. It's going to be fascinating to see how this works out because mm. people want all the events at the, at, at the building, in the building. So we'll, we'll see how it works out. But if they win, I, I can assure you, the fans will show up. Look at Denver now. You know, I was looking at the the ratings, the local ratings recently. They have a a spike in their local ratings for TV, like over a hundred percent. Yeah, because Something. because they didn't have a TV deal last year. Like the owners of the Nuggets had a feud with the TV, so they actually no one could watch their games, which is crazy and, considering they were winning and, a championship. And now that they won a championship and they returned to the market. It's been like off the charts. So when you win, good things happen. And uh, as as one of my coaches used to say, winning covers a multitude of sins. So win and you'll figure it out. Absolutely. Um, the next question is from Freddie K. He says, do you think the Mavs are a serious team in the West and how far can they realistically make it? Now, obviously, that depends a lot on injuries and injuries to other teams and matchups. However, right now, do I think that the Mavs can win the Western Conference? No, I don't. And do I think the Mavs are one of the top two or three teams in the Western Conference to make it to the Conference Finals? No, I don't. So I would say second round would be what I'm expecting from the Mavericks here. What about yourself, BJ? Well, I'm going to say this. I don't, on paper, expect this Mavs team, as it's currently constructed, to do that, to say that. However, because I have such a respect for great players and great talent, and they have not one, but they have two players that have exceptional offensive talent. I mean, both of those players are exceptional offensive players. Talking about Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. Okay, mm-hmm. they 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 are exceptional. And as you and I both know, it's all about matchups. If they get the right matchup, <laughs> Luka is is more than capable of carrying a series. Not just a game, and he can carry a series. And we know Kyrie Irving can do the same. Mm-hmm. So as much as I want to say, and I look at their roster, I go, that's ah, probably not as good as some of the other teams in the Western Conference. When you have a great player and when the lights are bright, they have two guys 
that they shine. Okay, that, that's one thing that I can't take away from great players. And, and 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 we have a rule in the playoffs. You can't allow great players to have an opportunity to be great. You can't stop both of them every single night. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very rare where both of them are just having off nights, especially in the playoffs. So what is it? A couple years ago, Mo, they got to the conference finals. Is Was it two, three years ago? Or yeah, something? yeah, it was 2020. Uh, yeah, yeah, Luca is capable. Warriors one twenty two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luca and Kyrie are very capable. So I'm not going to count them out. I certainly don't want to be having to prepare for Luca and Kyrie in a series. That wouldn't be my first choice if I'm given a choice who to play. Mm-hmm. So you never know. I, they're a very dangerous team because of those two. But if you could continue, Mo, to add pieces to this. I think they could be a serious team just because of the ability and how the game is refereed and the way the game is played. Offensively, yeah. Mo, they can score with the best of them. Yeah, and Luka Doncic has shown he's got that ability to go up against anyone in the NBA yes. in the playoffs. Which, Abs- you know, we've, we've seen that throughout his career so far. Um, the UK Boston Celtics fan page wants to know, who would you say is the front runner for Coach of the Year and why is it Joe Mazzula? Oh, J- uh, Joe. I think it's Joe. Yeah, I, I, the Celtics I, have I, run I, away with the, in the standings. Like Joe has... The Celtics have been the most consistent team from beginning to where we're currently at. Joel Mazzulla has done a terrific job. By the way, he's gotten his staff together. You and I talked about that after the show yesterday off air, what mm-hmm. he's been able to do. And he and make no doubt about it, he has this team playing at a very high level. Yeah. Okay? Give give him credit. And I have, yeah, I, I, I got to say this. I go think on, he ahead. should be coach of the year if the season ended today. I have three honorable mentions. I think Joe should win. Mark Dagnall in OKC, that turnaround from last season. Chris okay. Finch turned around what everyone was saying is the worst trade ever to now being a top seed in the Western Conference. Wait a minute, and- Mo. Hold on, hold on. I like that trade and you made fun of me. Yes, I did. Yes, it's you Rudy did. Gobert. Hey, that, that, yeah, of course I did. Yes, you did. You may I said I like that trade and you made fun of me. So not everybody. Okay, okay, BJ. I, I see what you're saying. No, not in, everybody. In the next five years, when they don't have their picks. And if Ant-Man ever decides he wants to leave Minnesota, we'll see what happens. But anyway, the other honorable <laughs> mention I have is Ty Lue of the Clippers. After their horrendous start with James Harden, his ability yeah. to turn that around. So oh, shout God, out to I watched it. I After last night, I, I watched that game last night. That was horrible, though. The meltdown, yeah. LeBron outscoring him by himself in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I watched horrific. that game. So, But I agree with you. I, I agree with you. With, Shout out to Doc Rivers, problem. though, because all the people who say that Doc Rivers is the reason the Clippers used to choke. Maybe it's just in their DNA. Maybe it's just in the culture. Who knows? No, God. Um, now, now, who is the culture? It, it's so funny. We, we say these things, the culture. Who is the culture? Who is the culture? <laughs> like, I'm, tr- I'm still trying to. It's like in my house. It's like at my house, you know, my family will say, well, my wife will say, somebody should wash the dishes. I was like, who is somebody? <laughs> somebody should take the garbage out. Who is this somebody? If I ever find that somebody. It's you, my brother. Look in the mirror. Yeah, That's exactly. You. That's where I feel about the word culture. Well, the culture. Well, who, who are you talking about? Just My house is very simple. It's just me. You just wait. Yeah, it's you just, just me. Wait. You it's just, just me. It's coming. By Eastside, I wash it. I put something in the trash and take it out. Yeah, Life is very simple. We've all been there. Um, Stone J wants to know, are there any players in the league right now under people's radar who you think could blow up over the next couple of years? Oh, wow. So hit me with one. If you, I was thinking about one yesterday. 
And I was well, you thinking, say blow up, like blow up, like what? You know that what's the kid? Jaden Williams is, is Jalen Williams, Williams in OKC. Jalen Williams, I think he'll be, be all star. Yeah, I I think he has I think he has the opportunity to really like boom. Mm-hmm. Jalen Williams, I I I I really I really I really like him and and how he plays. I think he has a chance. Do you know what I was thinking about yesterday? Um, I was watching the Cavs, um, and I was thinking about Evan Mobley because you know when he first came into the league, you know we had all these high expectations and there's so much potential there. And in my opinion, he's not really fulfilled to this point what I kind of expected him and how to develop. And I just thought about how much where you're drafted. Not where you're drafted in terms of the number pick, but the actual mm-hmm. team that picks you affects right. a player's development because most players picked that high up in the draft wouldn't be on a team with Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland and Jarrett Allen, who have all been all-stars in the NBA. And I was just thinking if he ever ended up on another team or if other moves happened to their roster and he had the potential to develop in that way that we expect him to and we know he has the potential to, then he'd be a player where people are like, oh, so that's what these guys were talking about. I I I I, I agree. I I as you know, Mo, I I love Evan Mobley, and a lot of times you you get to the right place, and you get to a place where you can showcase what you can do. I I want to say this. I've watched him. I've watched him in. Uh, college because he went to school out here in California, University mm-hmm. of Southern California, USC. And I was fascinated with this. I watched him in college and he plays defense and he's an anchor. Like it's a, it's a, it's a special, you, you hear me t- say this all the time. Well, I say some people are tall and some people are big. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's a big guy. Just like Wimbenyama. He's not big. But in his mind, he's an anchor. Now, you, the one thing about Wimbyama that's been fascinating is they finally settled in to say, to say the following. He's a center on the defensive end. And once he started playing the center position, which is different than the power forward position, okay? Because I thought that Wimbyama was like a version of like, I'm not saying the same, I'm just saying a version of like Jaron Jackson, where he just roams around, defends on the perimeter defends on the in the basket you move him to the center at some point you switch out on him I thought Wimbenyama was that because of the size of his body however what he has shown is that even though he has a small frame at the moment he's an anchor on defense I and the reason I'm bringing this up is because one of the things that was fascinating to me with Mobley which made me like him even more was if you recall Mo he played the small forward position his rookie year because they had Laurie Markkinen at the power forward position. Yeah, on the team sheet, they had Laurie Markkinen at the three, but they switched it, yeah. But 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 Mobley was guarding, as you know. I always look at the other end of the floor. L- L- Mobley was guarding all the other team's threes. Mm-hmm. When Mobley plays the center position, when Jaron Jack, when, uh, was it Jared, uh, uh, what's the kid? Uh, Jared, um, Jared Allen, Jared Allen. When Jared Allen is sitting out and Mobley plays a center position, he looks way more comfortable to me on the defensive end as an anchor. He, ha- even though he's a slight of build as well, he's truly an anchor on the defensive end. So I think Evan Mobley is some version of a five in today's game, 
but has the body, you know, like he, you know, he's kind of like Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren is a five as well, is an anchor defense. So I I I I am expecting him at some point to really just take off. But I think he's gonna have to settle in just like like Victor did this year. Like it took the it took the Spurs about 25, 30 games to say, you know what, let's just put him at the center position regardless. And and let him figure out the rest and the plays this kid is making. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like insane. But we know, Mo, that his body is not like a center. Yeah. But, you know, eventually he'll grow into it and uh, we'll see. So I, I think Mobley is one of those players. I agree with you. Um, Tali Wakane says... We've heard parts of BJ's history and what is his story from his perspective, where he was drafted and his roles on all the teams in the NBA and as a front office person. Well, the thing is with that, that's a very long question. Yeah, and I keep telling BJ we need to write a book about his life. So Man, if, if, the people, if the people want to hear that story, you got to give the people what they want. I think so they if do. the people want I think it, they do. Let, let's I'm going to get back it. in my writing bag and make this happen. Andy okay. Williams says, what up, though? Oh, BJ, can you believe that What Up Though has reached a Welsh man who lives in the UK? That's respect. That's respect. I don't know any people from Detroit and Wales, but... (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. What Up Though? What Up Though? though? He says, are we sure that Pop is a good coach anymore? Yes, we we are. are. All I'm going to say... say Let me just say this first. Regardless of what you think... It's a lot easier to look like a good coach when Tim Duncan's on your team. It's a lot and easier to look like a good up. coach when Shaq is on your team and Michael Jordan is on your team. When you have those guys, it's easy for everyone to call you a good coach. And in five years' time, when Wemby's in his hitting different levels, everyone's going to say he's an amazing coach. Yes. that, And, and, and I agree. And, and, and Mo, listen, I, I understand where you're coming from here. But I, I, I want to pull the curtain back a little bit. Because those guys, just like the players make it easy, those coaches make it make it make it look easy too, right? And it's one thing that I've come to respect about great players. Great player, it, it, it's it's way more difficult to coach a great player than an average player or a good player. And the reason being is because that great player demands you to be great just like it demands you to be a great role player. It demands for you to have self-reflection to say, wow, I shouldn't be getting up 20 shots playing with Michael Jordan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or I shouldn't be shooting 25 <laughs> shots playing with Tim Duncan. <laughs> like maybe it's in my best interest to only get like three to five shots or whatever he doesn't feel like shooting. <laughs> okay. Or, you know, in, in the words of, you know, Larry Bird, the reason you getting double te- reason they don't double team you is because you suck. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know it depends on how you want to look at this thing. It's much more difficult to coach great players. Greg Popovich is a phenomenal coach, right? I mean, Tim Duncan made it look easy. However, I understand what you're saying. If I knew, if Mo and I knew we were going to have Tim Duncan for a twenty year stretch. We win our fair share of games. <laughs> okay. Do you know and, what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> yeah. But however, but, however, but also, you had Tim Duncan, but you also went out and found Manu Ginobili and found Tony Parker and developed them into the all star caliber players to play alongside and fit in within your system with Tim Duncan. 
Well, I don't know if you, uh, you know, everyone talks about developing and all those things. You know, it, I saw, I just happened to see Mano Ginobili play in Europe. Yeah. He was pretty good, Mo. Yeah. <laughs> he was amazing in Italy. He and Tony amazing. Parker was amazing. But Tony Parker was amazing. Pop helped them understand the NBA game and how they can change their game to fit with what they're doing in the NBA. It's amazing is, how good players figure out how to play with other good players. Yeah. That's what's amazing to me. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the All-Star game. It's amazing how everyone kind of changes their game. Yeah. Popovich is, a, is, yes. Greg Popovich is a, is a great coach. However, I think it was yesterday or the day before we were acting, they, we were talking about what happened when I got drafted up there in the expansion draft in Toronto. Right now, what you're seeing is the San Antonio Spurs are on a different timeline. I don't think winning is priority number one, two, or three right now. They are in a accumulation of like assets. That's what That's I said the, the other day. You know, this is the last chance to get a good pick. And this is what happened with the Mavericks. They the reason why the Mavericks have struggled to build a team with Luca is he was so good so quickly. And to get him, they traded away their next year's first round pick. They were never able to put another high pick around him on a rookie scale deal. Yes. Shout out to the and, IG comments, by the way. Someone put yes. that in the comments. I didn't even unlike some teams who are going through this process right the teams make a decision to go through this process which you're seeing the spurs when you watch the spurs play a couple things are very obvious they still play together even though they're not winning they still play together as a team the one thing i just went to a game there last week to see Wimbenyama play right i have to say this mo he's become my son's now favorite player my youngest son's favorite player now <laughs> So him and I, we, we share that little bond. Their bench and their attitude of the guys on the bench, they're still cheering for one another. They still pass to one another, and they still play hard. You haven't seen anyone go off the rails with this organization. And you she know what I really love? It. I'm not saying... I am. Uh, yeah, you cannot you, say you can. I can. Yeah. <laughs> and the one thing I do respect is Wimbenyama is still featured. It's not like a thing where you're just letting the players become selfish yeah. or there's, you, you know, that he's still playing within the group. You know what I mean? And the yeah, group yeah, is yeah. still playing with it. So even though it's not translating to winning, when you look at their team and you go watch them play live, because sometimes you can't see it on television. He, when you say culture mo, he has his footprint still on this team. Now, it hasn't translated to winning, and that's the bottom line, but I still like what I'm seeing. Unlike sometime, Mo, you go to a team, you go, ooh, that's not good. Mm. Ooh, that guy, look that guy off on a on a break. Oh, they ooh, do they look off Wemby too many times still for my life. Well, a lot of times, Mo, you, they don't have a lot of experienced players. Yeah, maybe they just don't know. But I can tell you what, that kid, Wemby Yama, don't get me started, Mo. Don't get me yeah, started. Yeah, we won't, because you managed to bring him up uh, Earlier I, without even yes. being asked. And that's part yes. of the bingo. I'm going to make bingo cards now for the show. Yes. And fans can tick them off while they listen. And it's going to be some of your catchphrases in there. The last question uh, from Tali Wakane again says, does Big Mo have any plans to do any in-person events or watch parties for any in-season games? Or the Let's go. Let's go. Let's you go. You guys want it. You just <laughs> let me know. I just need to get enough people to tell me that they want to come down to London because I know you guys are spread out all across the UK, all across the US, all across Europe, all across Africa, all across the Middle East, all across Asia. We've got love for each and every one of you in every corner of the world. 
for the ones of you in the UK, if you're willing to pull up in London and watch some NBA, you just let me know. Just tweet me, IG me, Discord me, whatever you want, and we'll make it happen. But that's another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast for this week. We'll be back on Monday with Parking or Perry in the house. Make sure you subscribe to the show, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts from. And most importantly, until next time, get buckets.